0: You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Good morning and a happy Monday. Oh, should, should we whisper a little for some of you? Good morning. Some, yeah, happy maybe. Monday. Okay. The day after the Super Bowl. Maybe you made it into work today. Good for you. The lead,
1: yeah. Super Bowl Sunday had ups and downs, commercials, but it was the intro to the Super Bowl that's got a lot of people here locally talking. It featured a kid running with a football through the city, across the country, and past famous athletes of multiple sports. With people telling him, "Take it to the house, kid." He only stopped once. He stopped. In front of the statue of Pat Tillman, in front of the State Farm Stadium, and stared at it for a few seconds before yeah. continuing. Twitter, though, reacting. Oh, f-
0: yeah, from the uh, perpetually outraged. Let's start with them. Um, by the way, we know that what is it? Seventeen million of you didn't make it to work today. Which, by the way, means they're probably not even awake yet. It's nine oh six. They're still face down, like shh. The bed spinning. Shh. I never drinking again. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> until, until next Super Bowl, right? right? Exactly. Uh, so it, it was a bit of the, the this intro was a bit yeah. of a takeoff on the running of the torch into the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, okay, That's where I thought the inspiration came from. So,
1: you know what, if you were still getting your nachos, your you know pigs in a blanket, and uh, some burgers and beer ready to go before the start of the Super Bowl, and you missed it, let me paint the picture for you. There are kids that are playing like a pickup game of football in a, in a lot somewhere, alright? And this kid grabs the ball, gets the ball, and starts taking off running. And he starts running through all these different cities, and you Got people yelling, take it to the house, kid! Take okay, it to the house, kid. And he's running, you know, through through doing? these cities, yeah. and he he gets to, it to house, New Orleans. And, and he's running down like you no know, bourbon street, sure. and you see Drew Brees, who catches the ball and then throws it back to Iconic him. Iconic backgrounds, famous people. And he's running, he's taking <laughs> to the house, kid. And what you're about to hear right now is is that New Orleans scene. And then you're going to hear the music stop. You you heard it there. It's kind of upbeat. Oh. It's fun. It's going. It's got some, some movement to it. And then it stops. And when it stops, this young man is in front of the Pat Tillman statue there at State Farm Stadium and just stares at it for a few seconds before continuing on to New York City. Take a listen. New Orleans. And then it continues on. He stops
0: on. and pauses in front of the, the Pat Tillman statue, which is a real thing, by the way, out there in Glendale. So what is the out... Like, help you know, me understand why I'm supposed to be outraged, because I'm... No, cur- I don't think you should. I'm currently not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and you know what? I don't think you should oh, be outraged. Okay. I think there are people that are perpetually looking for reasons to be outraged. Is and it one person on Twitter again? You know what? It, it very well, maybe. Right. Uh, I, I personally thought it was a touching moment. It made me just kind of take that deep breath and respect- smile. It was respectful. Absolutely, it was. Okay. And you've got folks out there that you know are commenting about how this was amazing, and, and people you know teared up a little bit as they paid tribute to to Pat Tillman. Then you've got others out there, and we won't spend so much time on the others because, yeah, it's the Twitterverse, and frankly, um, everybody is just kind of mean. You, you've got folks saying, yeah, your reminder that Pat Tillman's widow has said publicly that, she, that he'd hate all this stuff surrounding him that the NFL does. They just don't care. Yeah. Um, Yeah, very aggressive, hostile politics on the part of anti-Kaepernick NFL to exploit the image of late anti-war activist Pat Tillman killed by friendly fire.
0: Okay, so apparently the Twitterazi who just found out apparently that the NFL has used images of Jersey of the number of Pat Tillman to promote the end of this is news to them. Might I point out that your outrage is of a kid stopping in front of a statue, a statue that's in front of an NFL stadium. Okay, let's not get away from the fact that you're like, I can't believe they would use Pat Tillman. They didn't. They used the statue that's sitting in front of the stadium. It's
1: there all the time. You know, and, and I think it's just it's it's also it's not exploitive. It's it's a reminder. I thought it was respectfully done. I think done. it was, too. And, and it's a reminder, too, that this is this is a guy who turned down a multimillion
0: dollar contract to enlist in the army after the September 11th attacks. And listen, we've all heard the stories from people who were close friends. Us not being them. Right. The, the, the last thing Pat Tillman would want was special recognition. The last thing he wanted was for the spotlight to be shown on him. I, I can acknowledge that, that that's not what he was about. He didn't do this so that he could be different, stand out. Wow, look at me. That was the antithesis of what he was. But I also don't think, again, the idea that somehow this is wrong or offensive for them to acknowledge in this lead up to the game. That there's a, the, the NFL comprised a variety of different personalities, personalities yeah. and, and stories, and Pat Tillman's is one of them.
1: You know, and what I saw in that opening as well is they were going to different cities and kind of highlighting the aspects of that cities and the players of those cities that people remember most. Mm-hmm. And when you think of the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, immediately you think of Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe that, yeah. For, Could have of been course, him. of yeah. course. But you know what? Um, I wasn't mad at it. In fact, I was quite proud of it and quite proud of that statue out there at State Farm Stadium. But, Bruce, not to be outdone. Oh. You know, because... Again, if you wake up every morning looking to be outraged, you're going to find find a a reason to do it. You know, I I think that the Super Bowl ads this year, a lot of them were trying to be uplifting, sentimental, encouraging. And I like that. I mean, that's me. I like that kind of stuff. And while I'm not a huge fan of Budweiser, I did like their commercial. And the commercial was called Typical American. Typical Americans showing up uninvited. Removing
0: their clothes in public.
1: Now, what you're seeing there showing up uninvited is somebody who who is like an elderly woman who is homebound and somebody just shows up to bring them the food. The taking off their clothes was that viral video on, I would say, like a New York subway subway. where there's a homeless man kind of shaking and another New Yorker
0: literally takes the shirt off his back and gives it... it it the words don't match up with the with the uh, uh, visual. It's almost the exact opposite is what it is. And so it's a play on that.
1: So, so what would be the outrage oh, of God. the typical no. American when they're trying to show that, you know what? The typical American is good. The typical American has a huge heart. The typical American is there for their fellow man. Well, there was a, a piece of video that was used from um, Charlotte. And this was uh, the... The, the protest in in 2016, um, where you had people that were kind of challenging, you know, the uh, the police. But there was a moment where this peace activist I remember. was seen offering hugs to police in His, riot gear. He had a
0: T-shirt on. Yes. Said, what, did it say free, free hugs? hugs? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And, and this guy was, was embracing a fellow officer. Yeah. And frankly, it was described as the hug heard around the
0: world. While people were chanting, shouting, and there was tension, this guy literally walked into the middle with free hugs and hugged police officers. Wait, so people are upset about that? Yeah. Oh, for the love of God. There are
1: people that are upset and say that it was in bad taste. It was. That they connect the protests after this photo confronting, you know, a a police officer raising their fist. You know, it was shared by media around the world, but that this trivialized trivialized people's actions there um, and that it didn't show the American spirit. What's
0: it like to... To go through the day being constantly outraged at stuff that absolutely doesn't affect you in any way, shape what's it like? I don't know. I'm not outraged. I haven't been outraged in decades. I just, I don't get it. These were riots where hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage was done.
1: Yes. And you know what? Every day you have a choice. Every day you can look at a situation and see the good in it, or you could see the bad in it. I choose to find the good in the situation because the more good you look to find, the more good you are going to find. If you wake up every day trying to find the negative of any situation, you're going to find more of the negative. So I just see this as the people who are perpetually walking through life with glasses on that are constantly looking for evidence of how bad this world is. And frankly, you're going to find it. I see this Mm -hmm. as a peace activist who is trying to do something positive. And I'm not mad at Buzzweiser for you. It. Right,
0: and, and they used a variety of other images. And again, if you wanted to be outraged by any of them, you could. Again, there's also the idea that you're getting outraged at commercials. Can I make fun of you for that as yeah. well? That uh, first I don't world even problems. know. I don't even know how thin that skin yeah, is. But it's also you must first have world problems. Do you just bleed standing there because your thin? Your skin is so thin. How do you make it through the day, you poor little snowflake? Um. So what a headline, by the way. And and you'd be excused if you missed it over the weekend. Al Qaeda leader arrested in Phoenix. Wait, what? That's my reaction. That was my reaction. We'll tell you what exactly happened and how Al Qaeda made it to the valley. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. There's a lot going on. I mean, what a loaded headline. Alleged Al Qaeda leader arrested in Phoenix. Accused of killing two Iraqi police officers back in 2006. <laughs> and, by the way, currently running a driving school. Yeah,
1: that, that was probably the thing that jumped out to me. Beyond the fact that there was an Al-Qaeda leader accused of killing right. two police officers right. in Iraq here in the Phoenix area. And then I go, wait, he was operating a driving school?
0: Yes, Ali Yusuf Ahmed Al-Nuri was arrested on... Uh, on allegations that this Iraqi national living in the United States now uh, killed two Iraqi police officers in Fallujah, Iraq.
1: Yeah, they they uh, they picked him up this weekend. He he owns this driving business out near 35th Avenue uh, and, and near Glendale Avenue. And he's been in the United States for for a little while now. Yeah. Um. Throughout this story, th- th- there are a couple of things that, that I did not know. I knew that we, we had a—we, being here in the Valley, have a, a, a big population of, um, of refugees, but yeah. I didn't realize that we have one of the largest communities uh, of uh, Iraqi refugees in the country. I did not
0: know I that as well. I not know that either. I am not going to defend Mr. Al-Nuri. Let, I will accept at face value— that uh, 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 the allegations against him. OK, I realize you're innocent, but let me just accept the fact that everything they said he did is true. Here's something. And, and I will admit this is only from my general knowledge of Fallujah in 2006, Iraq. Don't you think that damn near everybody who was in Fallujah at that point was involved in some way, shape or form? in some form of violence, the place, it was hell on earth. Our, our servicemen and women who have served there have said Fallujah was th- it as it was bad as it gets. And the idea that, like, I get that he if he's a leader or some sort of, you know, that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that darn near everybody in Fallujah over this time committed one if not multiple felonies.
1: Yeah, but when you're looking at someone who you've got, according to, you know, the Iraqi government is uh, the leader of a group of Al Qaeda terrorists in Fallujah, the planned operations targeting police and just a, and and officials in that area. This is this is somebody that the Iraqi government has been looking for. They were for. looking for. Correct. Yeah. So they have been looking for him.
0: Kind of like Nazi hunters.
1: They, they almost had him because last year. He was supposedly removed from a plane in Istanbul and was questioned by the FBI, was afraid he wasn't going to be allowed to come to the U.S., but or return, rather. He was over there visiting some family members, but, but was, in fact, allowed to return. And we're learning all of this, not from governmental press releases or no. anything along those lines. We're, we're learning this from, from his acquaintances within that community. And, and folks— who knew him in the community, the Iraqi community here in the valley, describe him as like a good guy. He was well known. People knew him. Nobody thought he was radical or extremist because he liked to dance and drink. This wasn't this like religious, uh, religious
0: fanatic correct. or. or, or, or strict. So,
1: so th- this was one of those situations where the people within the community were shocked by it. They I- didn't go, oh, I would- That guy right there, it was just a matter of time before
0: somebody was going to come and get him. Uh, uh, Again, only because I watch endless hours of documentaries, Pamela. Oh, I know. Endless. I've watched everything there is on Netflix and Amazon about Iraq and Afghanistan and the war there and Al Qaeda and ISIS. Okay, I again, not to defend him. If you were in Fallujah at that time, you were involved in shooting or bombing somebody. My point is everybody in that thing is a suspect, yeah, and I, I, all of them had ties to one group because again, this was a civil war that by the way, is still going on, and this was al Qaeda, which was one version of Islam's basically their militant arm against these militias and Yes, they're all trying to kill each other. I agree, I agree.
1: And, and and while that was something quite common at that point in time in that part of the country, it is not common, though, Bruce, to have somebody like this arrested in the in, valley, let alone the United States. Phoenix. No, oh, even I'll in the United States. So I mean, how did he get this into is the only States? the second Iraqi refugee living in the U.S.? To be arrested after being accused by the government over there of killing, you know, a police officer and being part
0: of, of a terrorist group. So, so we need well, a wall. The, is the argu- what you're saying. No,
1: that's what I'm saying. Well, the argument you're making, where this was so common over there, I think
0: everybody's a criminal over there.
1: Uh, okay, uh, it's not common for them to be in the United States, yeah. and it's not common for them to so be arrested he in the United States. It's right? a good. It's a good question. It appears as though at some point in time, he may have worked as
0: a U.S. military contractor. Of course, he did. Again, the idea that. Every- Everybody over there was either all good or all bad. You know whose side they were on? Whichever one suited them at that moment.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't make me feel good, though. No. I, you know, when, when I'm reading headlines of a former uh, Al-Qaeda leader yeah. uh, in the Valley, arrested, uh, accused of killing two Fallujah police officers. And runs, and runs a driving school. And runs a driving school. I love that it makes you wonder, like, it, is, is there anyone else? Like terrorists in Why Phoenix. That's not? just not something that no. you think of. no. Which is a good thing.
0: The Iowa caucus is today. You would be excused if you don't know how it works and or maybe there's a debate about how important is it still. We'll talk a little bit about that. It's coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. It is uh, Iowa caucus day in Iowa. Really, the well, this is kind of the first official, put your stamp down for... It kicks
1: off the election season, yeah, for sure. for the yeah.
0: Ds right now, uh, as again, I I honestly do not know how many of them are, quote, still in the race. I do not know. I don't know who's qualified, who's not qualified. I don't know who's on the ballot and not on the ballot, but, but the Iowa caucus is tonight or today.
1: How about how about this though? Let's I'm just ready. go back with some some stats for you, Bruce, because okay. I don't know exactly how many made the ballot or, or it's not even a ballot. It's not a ballot. That's the part okay, of the thing. Cuz Iowa is just weird. Yeah. But Doy. 27 Democrats 27 have had their names in the mix since in 2020. Since day 1. Okay. This is a record. Oh god. Of course it is. But how about this? More than the last four contested campaigns
0: yeah. And maybe maybe that's why uh those people looking at Iowa um and maybe there's extra pressure on Iowa this year to see if someone can stand out. After months of campaign stops, commercials, and canvassing, Iowa Democratic caucusers will finally have their say tonight. And for some, it's not an easy choice. We do take this serious. I mean, like, I write notes, and I, I you know, it's an important job.
1: Despite the issues at stake, many tell me that their top priority is selecting a candidate who can... Beat Trump. That's it. OK, be Trump. That's it. I was just weird. How, how the whole caucus works is, is, well, is something that I think most people don't understand. And I no. got to tell you, I
0: don't know if I fully understand it. I, I don't think it's even relevant to go through the details of how a caucus works. But can we also just acknowledge something that regardless of your political party? Mm-hmm. Why is Iowa somehow this bellwether of America? I've been to Iowa a lot. I've spent a lot of time in Iowa. I like Iowa, by the way. I like Iowans. Iowans are not some cross-section of America. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh It's not like, well, if you wanted to get a little bit of, what is the United States really like you go to Iowa? No! Iowa is lily white. Okay, let's be honest with one another here. And the idea that it somehow represents all of America is kind of weird. And I've never quite understood the idea, like, well, you got to do well in Iowa, or else what? Well, I think the reason why you have to do well in Iowa is because you're, it's the first, and
1: Iowa has kept moving it to become the first. They like being the first. Why? Because that means all the candidates go there. All the can- they get so much attention, and they well, have to vie for those votes.
0: And and they have to pay off Iowa. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's why if you, if Iowa wants un- to be the first. If you're
0: unclear about how politicians, by the way, Rs or D's pander to Iowa, Google ethanol sometime. The idea that we're gonna we're gonna take corn and make gasoline out of it, make fuel out of it, was nothing but to pander to Iowans in primaries. Right. Caucus. So
1: that that's why I don't think Iowa is the end all be all of the political, you know, election season, but but it is the beginning. It and is it is start. the start. And in the these last 7 contested races for the Democratic nomination, in the last 7, five candidates who won in Iowa went on to become the Democratic nominee. Now, now hold on, hold yeah. on. These are just some of the stats yeah, cuz I kind of I kind of find it. this interesting because it helps to give perspective sure. as to how important Iowa is. <laughs> so, out of the last 7, you know, again, contested races Got it. for the Democratic nomination, yeah. out of the last 7, 5 who won in Iowa went on to win the Democratic uh, nomination. Out of those 5, only one has gone on to win the presidency. Hmm. Barack Obama. Hmm.
0: Okay. Interesting. But. I, I, I will admit that I'm looking at it, but not closely. I also think the game is changing. Okay. And I think that, that every election cycle, these caucuses and primaries become a little less important.
1: Well, okay. Explain it to me. What do you mean by that?
0: That there are candidates right now mm-hmm. who are skipping Iowa, for example. Michael Bloomberg is an example, who's somebody who is not participating in there, but still thinks he can win. And it just has a different strategy that doesn't involve pandering to Iowa. So will – if there is any success in that whatsoever, will you start seeing other people – Maybe not put, like, all their eggs in the Iowa basket. By the way, there are a lot of bag- baskets of eggs in Iowa. <laughs> but, there.
1: but I mean, I, I get the point you're making with Michael Bloomberg, but but he's also kind of you know running as an independent. So you don't necessarily have him kind of following the rules. Now, I know it's Democrat, but he also got into the race late. He did. And I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just thinking that he's a bit of an anomaly. Now, you have to have somebody who blazes the trail. Is it him? and does that change things in you know another 4 8 12 years potentially they could look back historically and say well bloomberg started this <laughs> yeah. but right now we don't know
0: and 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 we're, and we're already ready and i'm ready for the pained uh syntax stretching press releases that are going to come out tonight and tomorrow from the losers which were You know what? We tied for fifth place and we are a victory as we're on to, you know, these horrific things where they basically got their butts handed to them, but they're going to claim victory in some way, shape, or form. That's actually my favorite thing that comes out of (laughs) it.
1: But I think... This is going to be a little bit different because I believe for the first time they're going to be releasing like the popular vote, so to speak, and not just how the delegates are being allocated. So you could you could potentially I'm going to get too into the weeds with this, but you could potentially tomorrow morning. Or Wednesday, if it takes a little bit more time, have dueling headlines. Kind different of like we won. had yeah. after the uh, the 2016 election. Who won the Electoral College and who won the popular vote? Very different than, um, you know, just winning it all handedly. You could have that in, in Iowa as well.
0: And again, one of the things they're doing differently is the way the caucuses work. There's an initial vote. And then everybody gets together and like arm wrestles and trades votes and things like that.
1: It's if you don't get 15%. Yes.
0: (laughs) So they're going to they're going to release the vote totals as it goes through. So you could have three different people win three different votes all in Iowa and all claim victory.
1: Yeah, it's about as clear as mud, folks. Welcome to the beginning of the
0: election season. Yeah. Some students are worried that ASU is not doing enough to keep the coronavirus from spreading. So what should they be doing? We'll talk about that coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. We know that the coronavirus continues to spread around the world. There was new numbers and statistics coming out over the weekend. But here in the Valley, uh, you have... Some students, I'm going to assume faculty, staff, uh, the ASU community that believe that ASU is not doing enough to protect them.
1: Yeah. So so the numbers for you right now, there have been about 12,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus around the world. OK, about 260 deaths. You've got confirmed cases in the United States, and one of them, like you said, a member of the ASU community in Tempe. Now, because there hasn't been a whole lot of information coming out about this one particular person, I think it's left people to fill in the blanks for themselves. Yeah. And you've got some Chinese students that are complaining at the university that they're not doing enough. And I, I would venture to say it's not just the the Chinese students, no. but I bet I would say it was other students as well as potentially parents so we're hearing some stories and we're reading some stories and we're learning about stories of students who had traveled back to china and particularly wuhan where this whole outbreak began epicenter the they went back for winter break right you have the holidays it and they came back and uh there's one student in particular who had come back and had a fever and was coughing and friends were concerned. So she went to the student health services, right? Oh, all right? They told her to go home, stay in a single room until we get your results, because they were testing her for the coronavirus. Don't come in. Don't come out. Don't leave for any reasons. You can't go to food, the class. You can't get food. In fact, somebody from the university actually would bring her meals from the dining hall. And when the test results came back, she was she was good to go. Did not have the Did not have it. Cleared. But there have apparently been other students who have traveled to China, who have gotten coughs, who have gone to student health services, and they haven't been quarantined. Now, not a fever, but like coughs, and they've been told they've got the, the, the a cold. And on the, on the community and on the campus of ASU, you've got folks who are saying, we need to expand the testing for these students. But I think it's important to point out that I don't think ASU gets to determine that. Well, it's the state, it's the county, it's yeah. the CDC that makes the determination as to who gets tested and who doesn't. It's also okay.
0: so I am not an alarmist in this. I don't think ASU is going to be ground zero. I don't. I don't think that uh, uh, um, there is reason to panic on the ASU campus. But not just with ASU, but with others out there who have either recently traveled to this region or who may have come in contact with people who traveled to this region because we know now that we have cases of people who have contracted the virus who have never been to China, okay?
1: Well, we have one case of that in the United, in the United States. States
0: just, but yeah. we, we have them in yeah. other places around the world. My, my point was that it, it could be transmitted that way. I'm sorry. That so much of this, though, is on the honor system. You have to self-quarantine yourself. You have to pinky swear that you're not going to go outside. You have to cross your heart and hope to die, that you won't come into contact with other people. And do we really believe that, not just here, but anywhere, that these people are self-quarantining themselves? Like, that's the problem. Like, you need to quarantine yourself. Okay. But I still really need to go to the store. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm getting a little cooped up in here. I'm going to go watch a movie.
1: I don't know. I don't know quite how that works. And hopefully we don't have to uh, examine that much further because um, I think you bring up some good questions. You know, do you put like a guard outside their door? Which they don't have now. That's my point. Exactly. But we do know that when the United States is going into China and getting out Americans and bringing them back to the United States, they're going through an extensive Process uh, of being tested and quarantined for two weeks, and so, and we've we've stopped, you know, flights to China at this point in time, like a travel ban as well. I just wonder this: if you are part of the ASU community, and by that I mean you're 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 impacted by this in some capacity, Uh either being a student, working there in some fashion, or have a loved one who is a student or works there in some fashion, and you believe that the 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 university isn't doing enough, I wonder what would enough look like?
0: What what does success look like? What does enough look like? What
1: else do you believe the university should be doing? And I mean that genuinely give us a call on the open mic line. 602-200- 2733. If you believe, and and you know what, let's even open it up. I mean, even if you're not touched by the ASU community, but you live in Tempe, or you're here in the Valley, which means you're just hearing my voice right now, and you don't think that enough is being done, I'm genuinely interested in in what you think enough looks like. What else should they be doing? 602- 200-2733. It's our open mic line, and it's brought to by carol royce team your home sold guarantee or carol will buy it herself go to carolhasthebuyers.com
0: former new york mayor michael michael bloomberg was in arizona this weekend he is running for president and um he apparently is not going to be taking the high road is that a nice way to put it with what in response to anything trump says about him we'll give you the latest coming up next on arizona's news station